0: Let's pray, Father God. As we come to your word right now, we thank you so much uh, for this time, and we just pray that by your Holy Spirit that you may teach us, that you may convict us, that you may encourage us and comfort us, and Lord, that we may leave here with a greater appreciation of your Son Jesus, and also a a newfound motivation by the power of your Holy Spirit to want to serve Him faithfully. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, my name is Joel. For those of you who have not met me, I'm one of the pastors here at Wollongong Baptist Church. I have a question for you. Do you like puzzles? Do you like puzzles or do you like riddles? Do you like brain teasers? Do you like problem solving? Do you like breakout rooms? Now uh, you' not too sure what a breakout room is it 's a, a new phase it's happening these days, but basically it 's a business which will create these escape rooms you have to try and escape the room in a certain period of time uh, there's a new one in Wollongong, uh, which I actually took the 6 p.m. planning team last year uh, to uh, have some fun in uh, and this is just to celebrate the year, and so we went there and let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, basically, you go to this, um, this room and before you actually enter the room, you've got to give them your phone and your wallet so you can 't Google any answers. Uh, my wife was heavily pregnant, uh, so I kept my phone. I was not going to miss on any phone calls from her. But then we walked into the room, eyes closed. uh, We actually put our um, our hands on each other's backs and we walked towards the room as they guided us into our breakout room or darkness. And then they turn on the lights and we found ourselves in jail cells. And then we had to try and figure out some clues, work together as a team and then get out of that jail cell to get into another room where we had to figure out some other clues to try and figure out how to get out and break out. Um, it was a lot of fun. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, we, didn't, we weren't successful though. Uh, we didn't get out uh, and we slept there that night. Um, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, uh, I, before I was a pastor, I was a civil engineer. And so growing up, I've always liked problem solving, I always like trying to fix things and, and trying to figure out some, how do you figure out riddles and different things. And so when I went to Bible college to study God's word in more detail, I really enjoyed the parables specifically. Because in many ways parables are like puzzles. They're a bit like riddles. Now maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, what, 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 that's a bit confronting. If Jesus came to save the world, wouldn't he just come and say, hey everyone, you're sinners, I'm Jesus, believe in me. End of story. Like, like why would he wouldn't he speak bluntly? Wouldn't he speak he wouldn't be confusing? He wouldn't speak in a puzzling way. Well, a third of Jesus' teaching is actually in parables. And many of these disciples actually asked Jesus, why do you speak like this? Why do you try and confuse us? And in Matthew 13, Jesus says this. He says, "...because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they'll have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. though hearing, they do not hear or understand." You see, Jesus knows the human heart. Matter of fact, he created it. And what he knows about the human heart is if you want temporary obedience, give someone a command. But if you want lifelong devotion, give someone a story. Capture their imagination, make them think, make them dig a little bit deeper. You see, in many ways, like I said, parables are like puzzles, but they're also a bit like Trojan horses. I don't know if you understood or heard of the the myth, the Greek myth of the Trojan horse in the Battle of Troy, I think it was, uh, and how there was a siege that went for 10 years and they couldn't figure out how to get into this city. So they built this massive horse structure and they went and put it in front of the city gates. And for some reason, the leadership of the city went, oh, what a great piece of artwork. Let's just invite this huge horse-like structure into the middle of the city and let's all have a sleep. And then, of course, in the middle of the night, soldiers come out of the horse, open the city gates and destroy the city. You see, Trojan horses, they make you feel safe, you let your guard down to them, but then all of a sudden they do its work and they challenge you and overrun you. In many ways, parables are like that. They're short stories and we think, oh, this is quite simple, but the reality is it's actually trying to challenge us in a deep and meaningful way. And so as we go to look at this parable, can I encourage you in particular to just let the parable do its work? In other words, let the Trojan horse in and let's be challenged by it. And so let's have a look at this parable. I don't have three points for you. Instead, we're going to go through it. I'm going to retell it to us and make sure we understand it. And then I'll pull out the big idea and apply it for us. And so let's begin by looking at verse 14 of this parable. Jesus says this, Again, it'd be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. It's really important we understand the context here. Jesus says, again. So in other words, it's important to we understand, well, what happened before verse 14 in verses one to thirteen of chapter five there 's another parable, the parable of the ten virgins, where it talks about how there 's ten virgins, five uh, wait diligently and are prepared with oil for the bridegroom to come, while the other five don 't wait diligently and actually don 't have oil they 're not prepared for the return of the bridegroom in matthew twenty five as well after this parable, Jesus talks about sheep and goats. And says how he will return. He'll separate the goats and the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now he's going to separate those who claim to be followers of Jesus and those who actually are. So that's the context, a broader context, more immediately in verse fourteen, we learn about this parable. We learn about the settings, we learn about the characters. How there's a, a rich master and how he has some servants who he's going to entrust his wealth to as he goes away on a long journey. And how does he distribute his wealth? Does he do so equally? Let's have a look. Verse fifteen says this to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. Notice that he doesn't he doesn't distribute the wealth equally. He doesn't say he's two, he's two, he's two. He does it based on ability. So, so let me try and retell this story. I know you've got the imagery of the video, which is helpful. Let me try and give you some more imagery. Uh, I want you to imagine there's this master and all of a sudden these three servants come towards him. And the first servant comes and he is just one charming guy. He is switched on. He's incredibly gifted. He's a visionary, but he's also incredibly detailed. Like he, he just he's, he's one of those people that is just entrepreneurial. He's well presented. He's sharp. And so the master goes, this guy's, this guy's gifted. I'm going to give him five bags of gold. And then the other servant comes in, and look, he's not as charming or as winsome, but he's still hard-working, well-presented. So he goes, okay, I'll give that second servant two bags of gold. And then all of a sudden, the third servant comes in late, probably wearing a Superman t-shirt that's stained, comes in complaining about how slow the internet is in his parents' basements. And (laughs) and the master's like, man, this guy, no way. I I don't want to give him five bags of gold. He'll just waste it. I don't want to give him two. I'll give him one. I can teach him. He's one bag of gold. All right, go away. And then how does... The servants used the master's money. Well, let's read verse 16 to 18. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. So, once again, you to imagine this, the first servant, like he's, he's smart, he's switched on, he's entrepreneurial, so he's probably gone and he's bought some property, he's probably bought some shares, probably some Bitcoin at this point in t- uh, stage in life as well. Maybe he started a cafe in Jerusalem where he's selling smash avocados to the Jews and he's selling pork bowls to the Gentiles. You know, maybe this is a guy, he's, he's really successful, so he writes a book about it, starts doing speaking tours. Like, you, you get the drift. He, he's done really well. The second guy comes in, he's not as flash, but he's still hardworking, he's diligent, he gets 100% return as well. The third guy, he literally dug a hole in the ground, put the gold in it, probably put an X over the top of it, and then drew a map and put it in his wallet. That's what that guy did. Now, to this third servant's defense, uh, speaking about him in bad light, let me try and justify his actions. Uh, in many ways, it doesn't seem that bad, does it? Like, like when you think about it, like to his defense, it seemed like an okay thing to do. Like, there's no risk. Like, he, like if you put the bag of gold in the ground, when his master returns, he can just give it straight back to him. He's not gonna, he's not gonna lose it. Like, he could have done a lot, like a lot worse. He could have taken it to the casino and been like all on black. He could have done worse. So that's what the servants do. But let's see how the master responds. How the master responds. Verse 19 to 23. This is what we're told. After a long time, notice that, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts of them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful of a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold and see I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Uh, As many of you will know, if you talk to me, I I have two boys and my second home at the moment is Unidera Pool or Western Suburbs Pool, I think they call it. Uh, I go there a lot at the moment because it's summer. And whenever we go swimming with my two boys, one who's five and then one who's three, um, not every time, but but most times uh, we'll get some chips as a reward for my boys swimming really well at the pool. Now, if I was to try and reward them based upon, uh, I guess... Uh, based upon their, I guess, how they go at swimming, this is how it would go. Elijah, he's swimming really well, almost six. He can swim by himself for about almost 20 meters. So I'll give him about 100 chips. But little Isaac, he can only basically survive. He's just struggling not to drown. And so if I was to compare the both of them, then I'll give Isaac two chips in comparison to Elijah and say, well done, mate, you're alive. Have some chips. But obviously anyone here would know that would be crazy. Instead, I reward them based upon their ability. And so they both get to eat as many chips as they want. And I eat what's left. You see, what I I love about this story and how the servants are rewarded is how it's done so fairly. The, The one who earns five bags more of gold is rewarded based upon what he did with his ability. And it's the same with the two bag as well. And this should encourage each of us here. Because to be honest, not many of us here are five bag of gold material. When it comes to servants, there's a few things I want to say here in particular. Can I say this, that before we move on to the third servant where a lot of the main material is, we can't skip over here how the master responds by saying, well done, good and faithful servants. Come and share my master's happiness, because there's many of you here who are good and faithful servants and have been doing so for many years and so I want to encourage you to keep on using your gifts, your abilities, your time, your riches, your money, your possessions to serve your master, to keep doing so, and to know that it will all be worth it hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servants. Encourage you, I really want to encourage you, in particular as we come towards 2018. Some of you here have been Christians, have been a Christian longer than I've been alive. That's such a huge encouragement. Keep on going, keep on going, it will be worth it. And know this, that maybe you don't have the fire bag of talent material at this point in time. You don't have that ability. Maybe because of your circumstances, maybe because of your health, maybe because of different things that are going on. But know that your master wants you to keep serving him faithfully how you can. That's the first servants. The ones who are faithful. Let's move on, though, to the unfaithful one. Let's see how the master responds to his unfaithfulness. Verse 24 to verse 25. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, unlike the other masters, we get some dialogue here from this servant and he explains his actions. And as he explains it, we're like, this, this, this is reasonable, makes sense. If the master is quite hard, like I said, this is not a, I mean, it wasn't a bad tactic to dig the hole in the ground and put the money in it. But what does the master think of this? Verse 26 to 30. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where i have not sown and gather where i have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I I would receive it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Whoever has will be given more and they'll have abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When was the last time you were genuinely shocked? Genuinely surprised? Maybe it was at Christmas time when someone gave you a present that you weren't expecting. I'm not too sure. When was the last time you were shocked? As most of you know, I had a little daughter recently, about a month ago. And my wife and I, Emma, were shocked when a little girl came out. We didn't know what we are having. Uh, to be honest, we were shocked because we didn't think we could produce a girl. We only produced boys in the past. We didn't think it was actually physically possible. But then God blessed us with a little girl called Lily. What Jesus says here in response to that master, that servant, is shocking. It's shocking for the first century audience as well as for us today. See, Jesus takes this servant and, and like, he, he throws him out to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The language there is similar language used to talk about hell and other parts of the scriptures. This is harsh words. And what Jesus says here is what this guy did was lazy. It was wicked. And I think we also find this shocking because we can relate to this one bad guy. There's a little one bad guy inside all of us. You know, particularly as Australians. We don't like the five bags of gold people, the tall poppies. We want to cut them down. We relate to the everyday battlers, you know, the one bag of gold people. Like I said, parables in many ways are like riddles. And the key to unlocking them is understanding what is the shock factor? What is the bomb that Jesus drops? And so let's talk about why Jesus is so harsh with his judgment to understand this parable. And so why does he call this servant wicked and lazy? Well, two reasons. Firstly, remember how I said notice how the master was gone for a long time, a long time. And so what that means is for a long time, this lazy servant did nothing to serve his master while the other two were out working as hard as they could. He was just caring about his own business rather than his master's business. But then also notice the gold that was given to him. You see in your Bibles, if you have one there, it actually have a footnote. And it might actually, instead of saying bags of gold, they'll call this the parable of the talents. A talent, which is just a unit of measurement, is 34 kilograms of gold. And so what that means is that this one bag of gold servant was given 34 kilograms of gold, which equivalent to today's money is $1.3 million dollars. And so I want you to pretend that all of you here are my slaves or my servants and I give each of you $5 and then I say, I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to come back in 20 years time and I want you to, you know, give me some return on my investment. If I was to come back in 20 years time and I'm like, hey everyone, where's where's my money? How did you go? I got each of you up here and we went through it. All of you be like, Joel, just calm down. Like here's $10, like, you know, hundred percent return. And I'll be like, okay, no worries. But if I came to each of you and I gave each of you $1.3 million, I'd expect a lot more. I would expect a lot more. You see, when we first read this parable, we're shocked at Jesus' judgment. But when we read it again and we understand what's going on here, we're shocked by the wickedness and laziness of this servant. Like, like, the servant should have just put the money in the bank. Like, how hard is it to walk down the bank and just say, here's money, put on, on your deposit, earn some interest until my master gets back. Instead, he didn't want to waste or risk his money, the, the the gold of his master and he misused it by not using it. He misused it by not using it. And so what how could I explain the big idea of this parable? Well, let me try to do it in one or half sentences. Jesus will reward the faithful hard-working servants. But Jesus will also judge the wicked lazy servants. For such laziness demonstrates that they didn't understand the generosity of the master and the gold given to them. And so how do we apply this passage to us today? Well, if you're not a believer, I want to firstly talk to you, and then I'll talk to those of us who call ourselves Christians. If you're not a believer, I want you to understand that this passage is actually talking about Christians. Because if you're not a believer, you don't claim to be a servant of Jesus like Christians do. But nevertheless, there's some principles here for you to uh, chew on. And the principle that I want you to understand is that the way you respond to the master will determine your eternity. So whether or not you'll be condemned or whether or not you'll be commended. And you're probably wondering, what do you mean by that? Well, see, you may not be a servant, but you have been given gold. And the gold that you've been given is of the gospel, It is the good news of Jesus Christ and how he was not only the perfect servant, I mean, the perfect master, but the perfect servant as well. As that famous passage tells us, that Christ came not to be served, but to serve. How he went to die on the cross as a ransom for our sins, for our wickedness, for our laziness. And how we respond to that matters. But if you are a Christian here today, how do we apply this passage? Well, simple question. Which servant are you? Which servant are you? Are you the faithful servant that is going about your master's business? Or are you the wicked, lazy servant who's caring about your own business? It's when we ask ourselves this question. And like I said before, if we are seeking to be like the faithful servants, to keep on going, to keep on using the gifts and abilities that God has given you to serve Him and His church and His people. And like I said before, all of us do this differently because all of us have been equipped differently and at different circumstances in our life. You know, nevertheless, we should have some gospel ambition. Nevertheless, this sh- parable should motivate us to serve our faithful and good master and bring him glory. Each year, I uh, do uh, goals uh, for the for the year ahead. I'm a sucker for setting goals. And I, maybe I achieve one out of the 10 I set. It doesn't really matter to me how many I, I achieve. I just do my best to achieve them. But this year, I really enjoyed that process at the start of the year, setting goals for myself. You know, I want to get stronger, smarter, but also, you know what? I also want to see more fruit in my life. I want to see more people won for Christ. I want to grow in holiness. I want to see our church grow. I want to see our city won for Jesus. Can, can I encourage you to have gospel ambition? That if you're a faithful servant, you want to use the gifts and abilities and opportunities given to you to serve your master. We won't do it perfectly, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. But if you're someone who lacks gospel ambition... If you're someone who this year hasn't even thought about any sort of spiritual ambitions, be just thinking about how can you increase your investment portfolio? How do you spend more time at the gym and, and not even think about spiritual matters and how to please your master? Can I encourage you to renew your focus? Can I encourage you not to be like that one bag of gold servant? And for the weight of this passage... Which servant are you? Are you like the faithful or are you like the wicked? Which servant are you? Are you five-bag-of-gold servant, two-bag-of-gold servant, one-bag-of-gold servant? I think it's really important that we actually chew on that and think about, which one am I? So that you may be comforted or so you may be challenged. Because like I said before, some of you here, you're not a five-bag-of-gold. Maybe you were a few years ago, maybe you were, another time in life, but you're not now. And so I want, to, I want you to think that through and be, and be comforted by that and go, I can serve Jesus faithfully in what I'm doing. So I can serve Jesus faithfully in my neighborhood with the friends that I have, when I'm at the hospital, if I'm visiting people or if I'm sick, you can serve Jesus faithfully in what you're doing and know that you don't need to write a hundred books or see a thousand people one for Christ. And, and at the same time, I want to challenge some of us here who, who are incredibly gifted, who are incredibly switched on, have been blessed abundantly in many different ways and know that if you think you have a good marriage, if you think that you're, you're quite wealthy, if you think that you're quite smart or you're quite wise, or if you think, you know, socially, you know what, I'm pretty switched on. And that much is expected of you. That You have been blessed to serve your master. And so go do that. Go do that. Now, why does all this matter? Because, Joel, aren't we saved by faith alone? Well, as Matt said last week, saving faith is never alone. Or as James says, faith without deeds is dead. You see, this parable is not about how to be saved, but it's about what does saving faith in Christ look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And so hopefully, the beautiful words of well done, good and faithful servant should motivate us towards serving our master. But also the chilling words of go away from me, I never knew you should also be something that strikes fear into us. Because the reality is, is our hearts can be easily deceived. And the reality is is that the fruitfulness of our life will testify whether or not our faith is genuine or whether or not it's not, whether or not it's not. Now, if maybe some of you are feeling a bit crushed by this parable, it's quite a challenging parable. Can I try and remind you of the gold that's been given to you in the gospel? Can I remind you of the goal of the gospel and how the gospel is a power of salvation for those who believe? Can I remind you that you've been given the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can fight sin, so you can share the gospel, so you can go about your master's business? But can I remind you that the gospel is not like a china plate that you need to hold on to and hope that it doesn't fall over and break, that it's a powerful thing. Can I remind you that God has blessed you abundantly and can I plead with you not to make the same mistake as this one bag of gold servant did, how he didn't see the worth of the gold given to him and how he'd been blessed abundantly. But also, can can I encourage you not to be like this one bag of gold servant who didn't actually understand or know his master. He thought his master was harsh and cruel. His master was generous, kind, Trusting and wise. Oh, may we know who our master is as well. You see, my fear is as we leave here today, is that we're going to go back home and all we're going to think about for the next week is our own business. How we can grow our own kingdom this year. Think about what we can pursue, what we we can accomplish this year. Instead, my hope is, is that we won't run away from the painful work of self examination and try to think through, okay. How do I need to change to be more faithful this year? Like I said before, I take my boys to the pool and uh, when I take them to the pool, there's two different types of, or there's three different types of pool. There's the adult pool where people do laps. Uh, There's the medium sized pool where I guess kids go with their parents. And, And then there's a really baby pool, which is quite shallow where little babies and toddlers go. Uh, and like I said before, um, uh, Isaac's he's three years old. And so for many years, he's been in a little toddler pool and he's, he loves that, jumps around, gets wet, has a big smile on his face. Uh, but I really try to encourage him to come along to this other pool because I thought he was old enough and he really didn't want to go. And then I'm like, no, no, no Isaac, this will be a lot of fun. You'll really enjoy it. So eventually I got him to come over and then he jumped in for the first time and he was just blown away by how much fun that was. And now these days, he's under the water, he's holding his breath, he's shooting at me, he's jumping in, he literally jumped on my head yesterday, and it quite hurts a lot. Uh, He's having a lot of fun. As your pastor, can I be honest with you, I feel like our job is to try and pull you out of the kiddie pool and try and help you take a risk and jump into the bigger pool. Yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but there's more joy to be had. And so as we think about serving our master, you might leave here going, okay, I've got to go out and do some work. And think so begrudgingly. But what I loved actually about that video is how happy and joyful those servants were, and how they knew that actually it brings them joy to serve their master, because their master is good to them. And so he's good to us. And so, church, I don't want us to leave here in self examination depressed. I want us to leave here in self examination by the power of the Holy Spirit, saying, How can I joyfully serve my master this year? Because what would it be like at the end of this year, 2018, for our whole church to be using our gifts and abilities? to be generously giving to our master, to try to win people for Christ and to love each other abundantly. How about I pray? Father God, we can easily deceive ourselves into thinking that what we do is right when it can be wrong. We think of this one servant who justified his actions and yet his actions were wicked. Lord, we all got a little bit of the one bag of servant guy inside of us where we seek to be lazy and justify our actions. Lord, I pray that you change us. Lord, that you remind us that you've given us plenty and you've blessed us abundantly. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may serve you joyfully. Help us to understand the gold of the gospel that has been given to us, how you've blessed us abundantly. And help us, Lord, to know that it's, it's, it's not hard to go and serve you and that you equip us to do so. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.